Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. So a guy walks into an empty bar and orders a beer. The bartender comes down and gives him the beer and then walks all the way to the other end of the bar and he's sitting there watching TV. Guy takes a drink of his beer and he hears his little voice go, hey, nice shirt. Looks around, doesn't see anybody. Takes another drink and he hears a voice go, love those pants. Wondering what's going on. Takes one more drink and, and then hears the voice again go, great shoes, where'd you get those? He said, bartender, come here. The bartender walks back down and goes, listen, man, I, I don't think I'm going crazy, but I keep hearing a voice and there's nobody else in the bar but me. And the bartender says, well, what did the voice keep saying? Well, it said nice pants, nice shirt, and it loved my shoes. The bartender goes, oh, that's the nuts. They're complimentary. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano. And from the Frank Stanton Studios in Los Angeles, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from Matty Stout, the voice of Stitcher Radio. Thank you very much, Matt. And later we'll be speaking with our guest of honor, pop maestro Ed Harcourt. But first... Time for small talk. So, Rico, this week, Bernie Madoff moved to the prison where he'll spend the rest of his life. Oh, so sad. Judge Sotomayor is on her way to a job for life. Indeed. And the folks at Goldman Sachs are set for life. Their average employee will make over $700,000 this year. Well, like us. Let's not be hypocritical about it. Good point. Good point. I wasn't... There was no judgment in my voice. So... So those were the headlines. As usual, we asked the folks at Marketplace to tell us about some stories below the fold. Deb Clark, senior producer of Marketplace Money, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, you know Anna Wintour of Vogue. She's decided in these tough economic times that we need to be reminded of, quote, just how wonderful shopping can be. Uh, I think we need a reminder of how we're supposed to shop without any money. Well, here's a thought. She may not actually be in touch with the common man. But anyway, Fashion's Night Out, she's organizing. It's going to happen in Paris, China, Rome, stores with late hours and special events. And first we have to be able to afford to go to any of those cities, right? Yeah, and I think she's probably not going to offer scholarships. Stacey Vanek-Smith, what's your story? Some French travel agencies are trying to encourage people to travel during the recession by offering sunshine insurance. If you have four days of rain during your trip, they will send you a check in the mail. Did you hear that, Seattle? You better bone up on your French. (laughs) Stock up on cigarettes and bread. The French tourists are coming. Jeremy Hobson, New York reporter, go. A couple of security officers and baggage handlers at New York's JFK were arrested for stealing luggage. The whole bags? The iPods and the laptops inside them. And then they ripped off the baggage tag so it would be harder to trace the violated bag. But the, the obvious solution is you deploy more security guards to watch the other TSA security guards, right? Yeah, maybe that would solve the unemployment problem in the country. And then pretty soon there would be more security guards than passengers. I think that's already the case. And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like a history super soaker loaded with booze. That sounds amazing. Isn't it? First, let's give you the history. This week, back in 1938, an aviator named Douglas Corrigan took off on a routine flight to California. Now, most folks at your dinner party won't know who Corrigan was or why his flight was especially interesting. Thanks to our friend Michelle Philippi, you're about to. 
1938, Americans suffered from Great Depression, till Douglas Corrigan flew on the scene. Corrigan started out as a mechanic. He'd actually assembled the wings on Charles Lindbergh's Spirit of St. Louis. In fact, he was the guy who took the blocks off the plane's wheels so Lindbergh could take off on the first transatlantic flight. Corrigan dreamed about making that flight himself one day. Only problem, he didn't have a plane. So in California, he bought a junker for 300 bucks and modified it himself for transatlantic travel. He called it sunshine. Safety regulators called it a death trap. The door was held on with bailing wire. Extra fuel tanks blocked the view from the cockpit. Even after Corrigan flew sunshine cross-country to Brooklyn, officials wouldn't let him take the plane over the ocean to Europe. Dejected, he said he'd fly back west the next day. He flew all right. But the folks in Brooklyn were surprised when he headed east and kept going. 28 hours later, Corrigan landed in Ireland. Until the day he died, he swore he'd simply got lost. His first words to Dublin's airport workers, quote, I just got in from New York. Where am I? Officials didn't buy the story. They suspended Corrigan's license for two weeks, which is how long it took him to sail back to the U.S. and for word to spread about the guy who'd flown a junk box over the sea. He was greeted in New York by a million cheering fans. They called him Wrong Way Corrigan, even though they were pretty sure he knew exactly where he was going. So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm on the line with Brad Farron. He is a bartender at the Clover Club on Smith Street in Brooklyn. Brad, you've heard the history. What drink did it inspire you to make? I created a cocktail called uh, Corrigan's Bluff, which is a variation on the classic cocktail from the Savoy cocktail book called the Aviation. Okay. Your classic aviation has gin, lemon juice, maraschino, and creme de violette. So uh, what's in the Corrigan's Bluff? The, the main difference would be that I would substitute Redbreast Irish whiskey for uh, gin in okay. honor of Douglas Corrigan, who flew to Dublin. And what differentiates Redbreast from other Irish whiskey? It's, uh, it's aged for 12 years, for one, and it tends to be a bit higher in proof. I see. I didn't know whiskey could survive 12 years in Ireland. That's amazing. <laughs> they must have just a very secure location to age it. <laughs> and so, uh, so lay it out for us. It's just three-quarters of an ounce of lemon juice with three-quarters of an ounce uh, maraschino. Maraschino, is that a liqueur or is that just cherry juice? It's an Italian liqueur flavored from uh, marasca cherries. Mm, okay. Uh, just a scant bar spoon of creme de violette, uh, and then a full two ounces red breast Irish whiskey. Have you ever uh, bluffed anyone? On... Have I ever bluffed anyone? Yeah, do you have a classic bluff story from your own life? Yeah, well, I mean, I agreed to do this interview uh, <laughs> because you think that I know what I'm talking about. No. <laughs> So, Rico, I believe um, you have a bluffing story that you shared with me earlier. I think our audience would be interested in hearing about it. Uh, is that a dare? <laughs> when I was young, I had read the science fiction book where people astrally projected themselves out of their bodies into, like, other places. Dude. Um, and I told everybody in my summer camp that I could do it, and they believed me. <laughs> I was like the guru of Camp Balabay. That's sweet. How about you? Do you have a con that you pulled? I just pretended I thought that story was cute. <laughs> I don't like you. People, you can call our bluff, or at least email it. We're at dinnerparty at kpcc.org.
Our guest of honor this week is Mercury Prize-nominated musician Ed Harcourt. He has just released his first EP in A Dog's Age and is in the midst of recording his new album, which is called? Uh, it's going to be called Luster. I first came across the word in King Leo when I'm studying it at school, and there's a line which goes, Out vile jelly, where is thy luster now? Which is actually when he's gouging someone's eye out. So it's a happy sunshine album. It actually is a really happy album. It's like a really quite uplifting without being like cheesy or cliched hopefully but now you got a kid so that's inevitable i do i have a little uh, a little girl of 7 months and people get scared when they're like oh no he's going to write like love songs about his child and it's like well you can do it and you can i was just kidding i've heard the ep and fatherhood has not led to clichés sour milk month eating silk and broken bread and bitter wine Trim ideas with garden shears Breed your thoughts in the diamond mine I'm a song that can't be sung A method that cannot be taught I'm a ladder without a rung An auctioneer that can't be bought Like a politician's two questions of every person on this show. The first is, what is a question that we should not ask you? Should we be seated next to you at a dinner party? When you were a chef, did you bring any creative elements of cooking to your music? <laughs> you were a chef? I was a chef for two years when I was like 20 years old in a very nice restaurant. And uh, you know, my great aunt was a cuckoo writer called Elizabeth David, who's a very sort of influential writer. And I once got asked a question: Do you think that being a chef, you brought any of the you know the creative side of being a chef into your music? And I hung up the receiver. What What was your speciality? My speciality is uh, lamb shank. Damn good. Uh, what, any special uh, uh, ingredients? Uh, well, the best way to do actually really a shoulder of lamb is you just um, you marinate it overnight with olive oil and then some garlic and uh, rosemary and some seasoning. That's it. And then the next day you just put the lamb in the pan with tinfoil over the top, and maybe a few onions and tomatoes and 20 minutes of full heat and whack it back down to like 190 Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I was just going to say that's not going to do us any good in America, dude. Well, just work it out. Convert. Um, our second question, which you've already kind of answered, is tell us something we don't know. Um, I have many different characters when I'm on the road. I become different. I've got three different characters on the go at the moment. What are they? Uh, well, one being uh, Duke, who's a hick, developed over the American tour and got to the point where I had a cowboy hat, check shirt with the sleeves sawn off, and I've got all these tat you know, tattoos on my arms and then and this massive beard. And it got to the point where I was walking through, like, I'd walk into a truck stop in Indiana or somewhere on the way, you know, and all the truckers would look at me like, yeah, he's one of us. And I became Duke. My That's kind of scary. Yeah, with my motto was, fishing is fun. And then uh, while we're making the album, I become Jamal, who's a uh, sort of hip hop hustler, you know. And then I've become like a new character called Oswald. Do, do the rest of the people in the band perhaps get a little worried about you? They do, yeah. They're documenting it on film. The slow dissolution Jamal. of your original personality into three distinct, horrifying personalities? Oh, yeah, not horrifying, endearing. You know, Rico, I feel like my entire waking life, I'm playing a character. Really? Yeah. So, so who are you for real? A kickboxing poet in Paris during the 1920s. What's so funny? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a song from the actual Ed Harcourt on our website. It is dinnerpartydownload.com.
So we've met our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we see what's up in the world of food. Rico, this week I've got just one word for you. Thanks. Nope. It uh, should be. <laughs> Nonstrants. Hmm. That is not a word. <laughs> well, you tell that to the people who operate places that sell food that aren't restaurants. These are called nonstrants? Some people call them that, yes. So like taco trucks. Taco trucks could be considered nonstrants, maybe, yes. It's part of the rubric of, of nonstrants. A rubric truck could be considered a nonstrant, yes. But actually, there's been a proliferation lately of these high-end niche cuisine food outlets, uh, things sold out of kiosks, coolers, trucks. They're happening all over the country, and I caught up with one in San Francisco called Chef Spencer on the Go, and he sells escargot on a stick. <laughs> I mean, At last. How could we not do that? So uh, I found out he was having a party, and I decided to crash it. Nonstrants are kind of all the rage. Have you heard of this phrase? No, I have not. Have you, have you heard nonstrants? No. All right, well, maybe they're not all the rage. French food in truck form strikes me as counterintuitive. Oh, I think it's the perfect representation of the sardonic, diffident behavior of French service. You know, a sort of assertion of we can do whatever the f- we want, <laughs> and it's going to be fabulous. It's kind of obnoxious. I think so. Wow, so it is kind of French. <laughs> Can I get your name? Uh, Laurent Cajeri. Are you the owner of Chase Spencer? Yes, I am. What gave you the idea to start a truck? There's a truck just down the street, and we uh, always have like tacos from there. And eventually, one day, you know, I was like, why not the French food? How did you decide on the menu? You have frog legs, you have, I'm holding escargot and a stick. A kitchen truck is definitely different from a restaurant kitchen because it's all like gas tanks, so you don't have the same power. So you have to adjust. And also, like, some items that Kind of on the pricey side, if you buy it per pound, but we'd be able to make a dish that you don't have to spend 25 bucks for it. You can spend $6 on it or something. So we, we kind of played around in that kind of dishes. So have there been any surprises since you opened this? I think I've met more people out of the truck in the last couple of weeks than I've done in a restaurant in seven years. People from who never walk to a restaurant will just eat out of a store, start talking. So there's much more connection. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you for letting us crash your party. And I'm holding escargot on a stick. And I'm going to take this bite. Oh, my God. This is pretty. I think you could put anything in phyllo dough and cook it in butter, like a mouse, a thumb. Delicious. Mm, Interesting story, Brandon. Thank you very much, Nico. And that's the Dinner Party Download for this week. To keep up with us between episodes, we deliver daily Dinner Party fodder on Twitter. Follow us at Dinner Party DNLD. And you can always catch us on the Arts and Culture Show Off-Ramp, hosted by John Raby and Queen Kim. You'll find that at kpcc.org. Also, thanks this week to Steve Nice, Christiania Clark, and Kevin Ferguson. We leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or departing from this weekend's dinner party. The band is called Inflagrante. It's from their appropriately named album, Brash and Vulgar. It's called Pick a Trick. Bon appétit. Hey, Bill, I like the way you chill. You got a bit to fill. I got a house on a hill, so give me a pill to slow down. Hey, Bill, I like the way you chill. You got a bit to fill. I got a
I'm Rico Galliano. Yeah. And I'm Jean-Claude Rimbaud! Dude, I cannot believe you can kick that high. Mm-hmm.